0: on welcome back wrench nation hanging out with you guys every week right here from one of the premier high schools uh, in the country of course East Valley Institute of Technology uh, where you have well let's face it people skills it's all about skills we've got the automotive program here and we are honored uh, to be able to do this show every week from here of course my lovely co-host Susie Sockets is in house what is happening girl
1: Hello there Frank how you doing buddy?
0: I'm doing well the good week in the garage uh, you know coming back off a Labor Day weekend. Yeah it was a busy week last week. Well yeah the garage you know typically that's what'll happen and that's why I remind folks before the holidays uh, if you're doing a road trip uh, set that appointment boy if you come rolling in Friday at three o'clock that's really tough.
1: How about five o'clock?
0: Five o'clock is even worse. Yep,
1: need an oil change. I'm going I mean, out of that's,
0: that's going to be like a drive through cheeseburger <laughs> experience, man. You're not going to get much uh, by way of service. Uh, and speaking of service, uh, I wanted to get into uh, you know, we try to provide you guys with some tips. Uh, you know, we're getting to see the Nissan or Infinity, for that matter. Uh, If you've got a check engine light and you've got a P0340 camshaft sensor issue, there's a couple things I want you guys to know. A lot of you are going to be code pulling and we always tell you to check data stream, right? Code pulling is just going to be like, okay, it tells me 340. It tells me my camshaft sensor could be bad. I'm going to the parts house. I'm buying a camshaft sensor. You put it in. And Susie, what happens next?
1: It doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't. The light comes back on. And and then you scratch your head and you wonder why.
0: Yeah. And then so then you're calling, well, we'd like to say the professional, but you're saying, oh, I got to call that dang garage. My thing is this, I'm going to tell you guys, give you give you guys some tips here, especially uh, a, a lot of you listening to the podcast on the weekends. The 340 or just in general with Nissan and Infinity, if you have a camshaft issue, there's two things. One, you've got to replace both camshafts and the crankshaft. Number 2, They have to be Nissan or Infiniti. Now, a lot of you saying, well, Frank, I can go aftermarket. They've got to be original equipment. What we've seen in the garage, I mean, we've had, like years ago, I remember, look, I'm going to save somebody some money. I'm going to go with the lesser cost part and we get into trouble. Because what's a comeback to us? It's not
1: the part failed, it's we failed. It's exactly, because they're sensitive. The vehicles are sensitive.
0: They are. And you and, look, every every vehicle has their particular. So I want to tell you guys, driving Nissan and Infiniti, just be aware of that. If you have a camshaft fault, um, you can actually... Look, to me, it's worthy that you take it into a garage. They're actually going to put it on a graphing scope they're going to look at the signal they're going to see if the signal is you know glitching out because a lot of you when you do replace that camshaft sensor you just kind of throw it in there you don't realize that okay wait there could be a connector issue or those valve covers could be leaking down oil onto the connector so just be aware of that number one you got to confirm it. If you do have a camshaft sensor, you need to replace both camshaft sensors and that crank sensor uh and and you know they got to be Nissan Infinity uh Denso, I believe, Denso or Ace and I don't have that off the top of my head. Susie, what's shaking in your world, girl?
1: Well, you know what? I've got actually a Smart story about a smart car, and I need you to tell me if it was a smart idea. I ain't that that smart, but I I I know our family
0: (laughs) listening right now. They're they're pretty hip. So what do you got? What do you got? So
1: you know Hurricane Dorian, right? Is hitting the uh, Florida East Coast as we speak. Yes, on
0: Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's
1: actually noted to be the strongest storm on the planet.
0: Now Dorian, that's D. So we've had A, B, C, D. We've had four of these already. Yes. So it's been a short. Season. So we're at dorian right right it's not like it's uh you know george or
1: right because they count alphabetical up.
0: they're off alf- so we've only had four mm-hmm. is that fair to say
1: a b c d yeah
0: all right i'm just interrupting go ahead
1: no that's okay <laughs> that's okay so you obviously know we're talking about a smart car oh so this couple in florida didn't want their little smart car to be blown away. So what do you think they did, Frank? Those cars are tiny. They are tiny. And it probably would have been taken by the wind, I'm sure.
0: A lot of people don't want to drive a tiny car. No. But if you go to Europe, it's all over. They're all over. It's about tiny cars and bicycles. (laughs) They look at us here as, well, just like our dinners. We overeat and we drive big overloaded cars. This is true. This but is in, true. In Europe they they want tiny. So tell me about the tiny smart car.
1: So what this husband did to protect the smart car is he brought it inside the house, parked it right inside his kitchen. No way. No, I kid you not.
0: Wait a minute. How do you drive? I mean, the smart car still is still sizable. I mean, it how It is
1: sizable. So what do you do? Is there a double door in the front entry? Is there an Arcadia door that you took off? I don't know. It doesn't actually say how they got it in, but there's actually pictures on Facebook that you
0: can so see. So this it. man drove his smart car in his kitchen. Yes. His kids woke up, they had breakfast, and they sat in that smart car. <laughs> I cannot believe this. It was a smart breakfast. I was going to say, if that was my wife, shot, would be hit. She would have an iron skillet waiting for me. I couldn't pull that up. <laughs> So, uh, logistically, do we know any more about how he fit his smart car Story inside? Story doesn't his, say. Can we? Can we? Can you we sh- guess? W-
1: maybe we can.
0: Well, if it was me, I'd have just got a sawzall and cut. I mean, because sawzall
1: cut out, size up. I don't want to lose my smart car. Right, and then you're going to board up your house anyway. So if you cut a hole, you're going to board it up, right?
0: Well, the other way to do it is you would uh, sort of weld <laughs> little uh, eyelets. <laughs> Like, uh, and tie it down like a ship at sea? This is true. Could you imagine that? Your neighbors are looking, look at that mini, <laughs> look at that smart car. But in the kitchen. I, th- I mean, why the kitchen? I would have, why not the living room? Maybe one?
1: the largest space, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's really a vague story, but the fact is that they put their car in the kitchen.
0: Would you do that, listening? Would you park your ride inside, well, not the garage, in the kitchen? That's yeah, craziness. It is crazy. Well, i tell you what's uh, not so crazy. Some of you may think it's crazy. You often see Mr. Elon Musk. You know, we have to bring <laughs> in a Tesla story. Uh, we love Elon Musk, and someday we'll get Elon on the show. We're, we're working on that as we speak. Elon is pretty busy these days. Uh, but before I get in the story, I have to tell you, uh, show topic, Let's do the yes, show topic. Yes, People want to know, all right, what are they talking about? Smart cars inside of kitchens and Elon Musk. Well, we are honored today to have Mr. Will Buxton. Will Buxton is a Formula One digital presenter. Uh, has previously worked with NBC, Speed Channel, as a journalist, media officer, and commentator, and has a really neat book, My Greatest Defeat, Stories of Hardship and Hope for Motor Racing's Finest Heroes. Will Buxton has been around. He has seen some things. In fact, uh, he's going to be calling in uh, from Italy, so we're excited to have him. He's interviewed many, many drivers. Mario Andretti. He's had uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, Dario Franchetti. He's had Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. So we're actually going to dive in. And talk about uh, some of the highs and lows of these drivers. You know, I always said that, like, we see this on TV and it's race day. Maybe we saw some preparation, but. What's going on behind the scenes? How do we arrive to that point? So Will Buxton, uh, author of My Greatest Defeat, Stories of Hardship and Hope from Motor Racing's Finest Heroes. He's going to be joining us. Now, speaking of finest heroes, you know, we talk about Elon Musk. We like the Elon Musk. Elon is trying to change everything. He's boring. He's up in space. And I got a chance. Did you say he's boring? He's boring. He's tunneling. Okay. Well, I mean, tunneling is what they say is the way to go. I mean, uh, when you look at drones as as a way to transport people, I don't know if that's practical. Could you imagine a drone landing in your front yard? That would be a noisy sucker. So I don't know. So Elon is saying, no, we're not going... To fly immediately, we're going to bore. So, yeah, he's boring. He's doing all kinds of stuff, including making a pretty large announcement that's going to possibly shake up the auto industry regarding insurance. Uh Uh-oh. Elon, he's offering a plan to customers for car insurance that's provided directly by Tesla as opposed to a third-party insurance company
1: to insure any car or just a tesla Well,
0: no of course you got to be in a
1: te- you got to You got to be in the tesla club.
0: right now in fact uh, there was reports regarding ride sharing so if i wanted to sort of uh, lease a car or borrow a car you know there are apps for that Yeah. Uh, a lot of this ride sharing part of that is introducing the coverage of insurance wow like if you're involved in in one of these programs the insurance comes with it, especially when we talk about autonomous vehicles. Now we're way off. Like the public is not going to be fully autonomous for some time. However, the commercial sector, if we look at uh, deliveries and I think FedEx and well Budweiser, right. Budweiser had to hook themselves up with a few of those Tesla trucks. Right? They had their first delivery of, uh, I don't know, 80,000 cans of beer in an autonomous vehicle. That's going to happen. But my point is, these companies will start to shake up the industry. And, and Tesla, Elon Musk specifically, is leading the way. Uh, starting today, as he quote, is quoted, we're launching Tesla Insurance, a competitively priced insurance offering designed to provide Tesla owners with up to a 20% lower rate, and in some cases, as much as 30%. Wow. So that, I, I don't know. I think that's shaking things up. Uh, they're talking about insurance offers comprehensive coverage and claims
1: management to customers in California. Okay.
0: See, that bothers me.
1: We should call our uh, insurance agent, Adam Geddes, and see what he thinks about that.
0: Well, he's not happy. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. I mean, this is the future. The insurance company has to, uh, they really got to pay attention to this. Because, yeah. uh, you know, if you have an offering of insurance when you... You buy your car from uh, from the manufacturer. Uh, so it's that, a
1: one-stop shop. Yeah. Buy the car, have your insurance.
0: But as I was reading this, I was wondering, why is it that California, they get first dibs on everything?
1: Do you have the answer?
0: I, no, I, no, I don't want to speculate like right. that. But, I mean, California is a large country in itself. Right. With laws in itself. Some of the things they do are not popular, especially in the automotive world. They're different. But what balances that all out is the car culture of California. It is true. <laughs> there, I don't think there's any other place uh, that has the car culture like California. Have you California. been in a Tesla before? Well, I had, I'll be honest with you, I spent some time, my nephew moved out here, we talked about it. Oh, yeah. And he has a Model S, and I actually got a chance to ride in it.
1: Oh, nice. I was
0: a passenger in a Model S, and I was thrilled to be in that ride. quiet amazing quiet i mean the speed on this thing there's no resistance no resistance you just get up and go now my only complaint with a tesla on this particular model i watched my name my nephews my 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 uh my my nephew i don't even know what's my nephew's sons called my great nephews (laughs) i don't know what i'm but the kid (laughs) let me just tell you this the handles on that tesla they were extremely they were extremely hot what do you mean hot? Well, when they, we finished up our little restaurant deal, we got in at Tesla, grabbed the handles, the handle, the kids got burnt. Their hands were, so I said, what are you doing? Well, Change out. You got a big, you got an expensive Model S. Temperature hot? It was extremely hot. Those handles were hot. Why? The handles pop out. When you when you walk up to the car, handles, they pop out. And I think they're chrome. I could be, I don't know. But okay, but what would cause I, that? I, Well, sitting in the sun, man. Oh, okay. I'm just saying the handles were hot. All right. So here's this car with all this technology, and I'm watching these kids. Hey, Dad, this burned (laughs) my (laughs) hand. Anyway, that's my little sniveling sniveling (laughs) account of Tesla. Tesla, you can't mess with a Tesla. Just brilliantly engineered. What an amazing ride. I don't know. I'm thinking about a Tesla. Are you really? I don't know.
1: You would trade in your
0: truck? Maybe. I don't know. No, I would never trade okay, in my then. truck. That truck is a keeper. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that thing. Is no, uh, that's an 08 F-150 that- with 200-some-odd thousand miles. <laughs> Speaking of mileage and mileage around the world, covering some of uh, motorsports' legendary races. In fact, uh, our next guest, Will Buxton, a Formula One digital presenter, has seen race circuits for over 20 years. He does an incredible job. And uh, he is going to be joining us. He's got a great book out, My Greatest Defeat, Stories of Hardship and Hope from Motor Racing's Finest Heroes. We're going to talk about some of those legendary race drivers on the track and sort of uh, behind the scenes. So I want you guys to stay tuned. Ranch Nation, next.
2: I and I a on
0: near you, You had a plan of money
1: 1922 You let other women make a
3: fool of you Why don't you do right Like some of the men
0: Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Frank and Susie hanging out with you from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Always, always honored to hang with you guys every week. Now, listen, if you go in and out of the show, we understand. Catch our podcast on any podcast player. We upload that uh, during the week. And a big shout-out to all of our listeners, uh, Saturday listeners, KFNX 1100, and, of course, 90.7, the Neon. A motor racing broadcaster, commentator, and journalist, Will Buxton has had the rare pleasure of turning his great passion into Into something resembling work for the better part of 20 years. Susie. passion. How many of us can connect with passion?
1: Absolutely. This is
0: what it's about. It's not always clean. Sometimes it's messy. Will Buxton, his career has taken him around the world countless times to port on everything from Formula One to World Rally to IndyCar. While the happy mistake of falling into television as a Formula One pit lane reporter in the United States for the Speed Channel and later NBC Sports followed by his current role as the first digital presenter in F1 history, has made him one of the most recognized faces and voices in the sport. His first love was and remains writing, hence the book. And I got to tell you, people, before we bring on Will, get on to Amazon and check out my greatest defeat, stories of hardship and hope from motor racing's finest heroes. We are honored to have author Will Buxton. Will, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, and we understand you are, so you're a traveling man. You're out in Italy right now. I am. I'm in. The, I'm in the middle of Milan. Um, so <laughs> it must be nice, mi-
3: <laughs> Nice. It's not bad, I tell you. It's, it's not bad.
0: Yeah, and so you're. Are you out in Milan? Are you getting ready to cover uh, an upcoming event?
3: Yeah, we've got the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. Believe it or not, it's the last European race of the 2019 season. Um, I have no idea where the year's gone, but here we are. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's always a fantastic event. You know, Monza is, it's kind of like Formula One's Indianapolis. You know, the circuit was built in the 1920s. It's steeped in history. Every great champion, every great racer has raced around here. It's our theater of speed. So it's, it's one and, uh, and the fans are crazy, mad crazy for Ferrari. So it just has, all of that atmosphere, all of that intensity, and great wine, great food—you know—it's yeah. got it all.
1: It's just it's just a phenomenal week. Well, so lots I mean, of adrenaline. A
0: lots of adrenaline. You know, yeah. when I look at it, it, definitely adrenaline. I mean, people are are building up for uh, what is a historical. Uh, tradition. In, in fact, I look at this almost, uh, Will, it's almost like, you know, our American sports, you know, maybe we're flat. I have a story to share with you. I went to Germany. And I was born in Germany. My mother would send us to Germany. And here's Frank, seven-year-old, bringing an American football over there. I, to, I almost got beat down in soccer, man. What are you doing? <laughs> so it reminds me of, of some of, uh, you know, we have our traditions in racing. And, of course, uh, Europe and across the world has incredible, in fact, Formula One Grand Prix the F1, F2. Will, you covered the Belgian Grand Prix, is that correct, recently? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tragically, while you were covering this, and we, we'd like to, in fact, I'd like to honor uh, and dedicate this show, we lost Antoine Hubert. Very, very tragic. You were covering that. My question to you is, during the, the intensity, uh, the sort of flora fauna of racing and all that buildup, That has got to be very difficult to witness and ultimately assemble words in passion and in tribute. Tell us the feeling there on the track there uh, during the Belgian Grand Prix.
3: It's it's, it's something that a lot of us hadn't actually experienced on track. Um, We we lost Phil Bianchi a few years ago, um, and while we knew the gravity of his accident was terrible he clung on for for nine months uh in a coma until he finally until he finally departed but to lose somebody on track on an event hasn't happened in formula one in uh, on a formula One weekend i should say um uh, for a quarter of a century yeah that's we, instant we i mean that's
0: instant i mean it's it's uh it's it's there's something to speak about you know, something that happens like this, uh, the loss of life on the track, you know, the fans witness that and, and the emotion. And, and, and certainly um, there is what would have been continued racing the next day. Is that correct? Yeah, it,
3: it's the the accident itself happened on Saturday evening. So after Formula One qualifying in the Formula Two race and it was on the second lap. And we were still conducting post-session interviews from qualifying with Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc, and all of the, the guys who just you know, finished in the top three. And it was their reaction to the accident that let us know how bad it was, because they suddenly pulled all their interviews and said, "Look, this is this is bad." Um And you know, we've all seen it happen. We've all seen it unfold, and they red-flagged the race, and that was it. Yeah. Nothing more for the rest of the day, um, and they cancelled the, the the Formula Two race the next day. Um, a lot of Antoine's friends would have raced in the Formula Three race the next day as well because he was part of the Renault young driver program. So um, you know he had a lot of friends in the sport, uh, not least in his own category and the category below, but also in Formula One. He had uh, you know, Pierre Gasly, uh, Red Bull and Toro Rosso racer, he was his best friend. Um, Charles Leclerc was very close to him and dedicated the rest of it to him. Esteban Ocon, who you know, we were all getting ready to to go and do an interview with Esteban, you know, in celebration of the fact he's got his race seat back for next year with right. Renault. And suddenly that press conference was cancelled because his mate, you know, was was taken from us that afternoon. It was just the worst thing that could happen. Um, you know, and it was one of those, it looked like it was just one of those freak accidents, almost like Zanardi's accident.
0: Oh, Zanardi, you know, yeah. Where, yeah.
3: Where, you know, a car is out of control, another car goes in the side, and, you know, for all of the crash tests, for all of the safety advances over recent years, and I should state Formula 2 cars are put through exactly the same safety test, exactly the same crash tests as Formula 1 cars, identical. It just seems like... He hit the part of the car that was. Explain
0: to us like, uh, if you can, part. Will. If if I can interrupt, I do apologize, but explain to us. Give us an account detail. Uh, they were coming off a turn down the stretch. Uh, is that correct? When uh, there was this accident, tell us uh, for the for the listeners uh, that may have not watched this. What happened?
3: So essentially, it was on the second lap of the race. One driver, and we're not sure either, lost control or got a flat tire running up Eau Rouge, which is the, the, one of the fastest, scariest corners in Formula 1. Imagine a corkscrew at Laguna Seca, but running it back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's pointing straight up into the sky, basically, going up. And Antoine came up the hill and saw his rival slowing in the middle of the track, and he drew around him to try and get out of his way. Lost control of his car and skidded into the tire barrier, Um which pushed his car back out again into the oncoming cars coming up the hill. And one of them, Fernando uh, oh, Carrera, uh, hit him side on. So very, very similar to the Zanardi accident. But with Zanardi, it was the, the tip of the nose of the car. Yes. Here, it was yeah. really just that part of the tub just before the side pod starts, so where the main torso is. And that's where the collision happened. And yeah. it was devastating, absolutely yeah. devastating um, well we will we will announce we will announce on events, and, I don't
0: think ever. yeah, we will announce with you in fact, um, I invite folks uh give us your social media handles. um, I did get on a Twitter, you did an incredible uh tribute in account. uh let folks know where they can find you both on Twitter and Instagram and anywhere else.
3: oh mine, I'm w Buxton official on uh, on Twitter and on Instagram.
0: Okay. W. Buxton official. Um, follow over, uh, Will Buxton, and uh, prayers, blessings to the family of Antoine Hubert. It is always tragic, mm-hmm. Susie. It, yeah, it
1: was devastating when we actually saw the footage, and I can't even imagine actually being personally there. It's shocking. It. Yeah, it, was, it is
0: shocking. I mean... You mentioned Alex Zanardi, and I, I know that uh, you've uh, interviewed and have, have worked closely over the years with many uh, Formula One drivers and IndyCar drivers and so on. Uh, for folks that may not know, Alex Zanardi suffered a pretty horrific crash where he lost his legs. Out of that, yeah. Will, what kind of safety measures, you know, after an accident, what, what, is, uh, what are the officials really looking at to say, hey, you know, what can we do better
3: I mean, it's, you know, it is a never ending process and it's not sure. just if there are accidents. You know, every weekend at every racetrack around the world, you know, the organizers of events, not just in Formula One, but NASCAR, IndyCar, you know, you name it, insert it doesn't matter. They're looking at the tracks and thinking, how can we make this safer? And they'll look at it and say, well, you know what? That barrier is jutting out at a funny angle there. If somebody goes up there, that's going to be a, a serious accident. Perhaps we could bring that barrier back by two meters and that would, you know, that would shore things up. That would make things a little bit safer.
2: Right. Um,
3: you know, it's all about how can we continually improve. And it's not about, I know sometimes people look at, at Formula One or European racing and they go, you know, you, know, it's, you know, it's not for real men or whatever because it's getting too safe and blah, blah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, I, don't, I don't fall on that side because I think, you know, it doesn't make it any less dangerous. Right. You know, motor racing will always be dangerous because there is always that that chance that uh, something goes wrong. But if you can minimize the chances of it going wrong so that our heroes, you know, the guys that we you know, we fall in love with because they do this crazy amazing thing that, uh, that we just couldn't dream of being able to do, you know, if we can hold on to them for as long as we can, I don't see that as being a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, in, in any way, you know, and, and just because you're making it safer doesn't mean you make it safe. The odds are always there. The odds, you know, it's a it's a flip of a coin. You know, motorsport has a dark side. It has a a, a a very fatalist edge to it. And every time a driver goes out, they flip a coin and they just hope that it doesn't land with that side of the coin facing up. But if you'd said to Antoine on the grid, I'm sure on Saturday, look, there's going to be a massive one today, and there's a 1 in 20 chance that it's going to be you, he'd have closed his visor and he'd have gone out and done it anyway because that's what these guys do, man. That's, that's who they are. That's why they're our heroes. That's why we put them on a pedestal because they take those risks. They take those chances. The ones that no one else is prepared to do, knowing full well that the odds are against them. And, Absolutely. You know That's why, it's why we love them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we just you know, here in the States we just lost Jesse Combs.
0: Yeah, we lost Jesse yeah. Combs who was uh, out there uh trying to beat her yeah, own record right. in a jet car that was what fifty, fifty, some on thousand horsepower. And we had Valerie Thompson who was uh fastest woman on a motorcycle. In fact on she's two she's getting ready in a little over a week to try and beat that land speed record uh out there in uh Utah. And um you know, you you're right. you 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 gave such a Fitting tribute to, we may not go to the track and say, that's my hero, but truth, truth be told, they are our heroes. No one else can do this. No one else can have the chiseled focus for the passion, the strategy, the tactic, all the things that come into play. And Antoine Hubert, I totally believe, as you said, Will, that he... Would have said, "All right, great. I'm still racing. I'm going to hit it." Yep. And, yeah.
3: and you just, know, just as his mates did the next day. You know, they pulled their helmet on, they they pulled the visor closed, and they put their right foot down as hard as they could to drive through it. And it's yeah. what racing drivers have done forever. You know, it's it's you know, in the in the book. I spoke to Jackie Stewart, and he was with Jochen Rint when he died at Monza here wow. in 1970, and he said he was crying so hard. Uh, and, you know, he, he got in the car, he pulled his helmet on, he went out, he drove the fastest lap of Monza he'd ever driven, and he took his helmet off and he burst back into tears again. You know, it's just, they have this incredible ability to just shut the world out and, and focus on, on being a racing driver. I have no idea how they do it. Um, but they, you know, they're not. <laughs> not normal
0: people. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, but they I mean, bring
1: excitement <laughs> to us <laughs> uh,
0: spectators. Well, they, they bring a lot of uh, yeah. passion. And um, again, so fitting the way you say, Will, that they, they truly are our heroes. Mm-hmm. I know here in uh, NHRA, there was some uh, John Force who was behind. He actually got a mm-hmm. doctorate uh, quietly. Many people don't know that John Force got a doctorate quietly. For all of his work regarding the safety measures for NHRA, uh, which, as you said, Will, it's it's not like, okay, let's make it safe because we just had a crash. Every time they go out, there's, you know, from the teams to the officials to the league officials, there's always this effort. And uh, so we want to send out... Prayers and blessings to uh, Antoine Hubert's family. Uh, from this, uh, Antoine's spirit does live in uh, forever uh, in in racing circles and. We hope that we don't see anything like this uh, in the near future. Uh, Will, you've been around uh, over 20 years. You started your career a little unconventionally. It's not like you went to broadcasting school and you said, uh, all right, I've I'm I'm, got a resume. I read somewhere, tell me if this is the truth, that you would just show up with your passion, which you truly have the heartbeat and pulse of the passion of motorsports. You would just travel along and and hit all the all the circuits that you could and and right, that's how you started.
3: Yeah, I I kind of I, I toured around Europe in a camper van. I lived in a camper <laughs> van, for, you know, just driving to all the races. That but sounds that was, so okay. romantic.
0: See, that's <laughs> like something funny. I was gonna say. You know, there's there's nothing. Ho- I mean, just load up a camper van, get a couple of cans pieces of food and off you go i couldn't
3: afford food (laughs) man it was it was gas or food and i went for gas so i could get to the race
0: incredible and and so you you started showing face you started to gain uh, uh, respect as a journalist and so transitioning from that camper you knew you believed because of your passion you were in the right place Always, because that's where your passion was fitting. How did you transition formally? Tell us about your first formal gig uh, as a broadcaster or a journalist there.
3: So I, I, I kind of um, started as a journalist, but the, the magazine I was writing for got closed down and so I had had nothing. So I, I jumped in this, um, this camper van and I, and I drove around Europe. And it was in the good old days when we had 16 Formula One races a year, and there were 12 of them in Europe. So, there were only four that were abroad. So, wow. much easier to kind of do the whole thing in Europe. Now we have 20, uh, 21, 22 races, and only eight or nine of those are in Europe. So, it would be much harder to do now. Um, but um at the end of that year in the camper van, I got offered a role to be press officer of a new championship that was starting called GP2, which nice. was the Formula 2 of its time. So, a pre runner, forerunner of Formula 2. So, I'm very, very close to that championship. Still now, 15 years after it was created, it's it's great. And I was there when Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton and Nelson Piquet Jr. and and kids like this were coming through. So I I PR'd them in their formative years going to Formula One. And I then got an opportunity after three years of doing that to go back to being a journalist in, in Formula One. And after a year of being there, I was given a phone call from Bernie Eccleston's people who said we need somebody to do commentary for GPT, and apparently you know loads about GPT. And I was like, well, you know, I was I was there from when it started. I was their press office. Like, cool. Do you want to do some commentary? I said, I'll give it a go. <laughs> so, like, you said, "I give it a go." Yeah, it you've exactly, been, yeah. you've been waiting.
0: You're traveling in this, uh, in this little RV around and hitting it all the circuit. Like, I give it a go. No, you were just. <laughs> I know you were excited because you were that's already
3: like, in it. Give it, it a go. I give it a go. I can't go that badly. I've done karaoke and not messed up. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And um, you know, so I did that, and I did it for a year. And little did I know that at Speed Channel the guys in the, in the production offices were listening to it and they loved it. And they gave me a call one day because they lost Peter Windsor, who went to start the USF1 b He was their pit reporter at the time in 401. They said, look, we need a pit reporter. Do you want to be our pit reporter? And I mean, you couldn't you couldn't hold me back. So I was like, yeah. So I did, I went to, to speed Channel and I had uh, three amazing years at speed. And then the broadcast rights transferred over to NBC and I was incredibly fortunate. But the guys at NBC uh, and NBC Sports gave me a chance. And whenever they are, I had five. Honestly, the five best years of my career so far working with NBC. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, And then, unfortunately, NBC, um, the rights moved over to ESPN uh, after five brilliant years there. And I got a call this time from Formula One who said, We've seen what you do on NBC, and we love it, and we want you to front all of our digital content that's going to go out um, officially for Formula One. That is awesome. That That is awesome. sounds great.
0: If you're just joining us, we got uh, Will Buxton, author. Uh, In fact, I invite you guys, get on Amazon. Uh, This book is filled with interviews from many legendary race drivers like Mario Andretti, Rick Mears, Jackie Stewart, Bobby Unzer. Uh, just a chock full of uh, drivers uh, over the years. And Will Buxton, Formula One's digital presenter, is joining us. We're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to dive into some of these interviews and find out what makes a lot of these drivers tick and how do they overcome some of life's challenges that uh, we may not see race day. Ranch Nation, stay tuned we next.
2: Had I forgot the clock. We were
0: tardy in returning to the stock Bolt-on Technologies' automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-on Technologies' software provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Right on, welcome back Wrench Nation, hanging out with you Frank and Susie, always grateful that you guys can join us every week. Get on to WrenchNation.TV. We've got a ton of shows. And you know what? Join our weekly tribe, man. We've got a newsletter. Put your email down. No, we're not going to sell you penny stocks. we got better things to do. But we got a pretty cool newsletter that comes out every Wednesday. So get on to WrenchNation.TV. Put your email. And while you're there, enjoy over 167 shows that we've got. Uh, everyone from Craig Jackson of Barrett Jackson. Uh, boy, we traveled to China. We had Echo Huang yep. on there that was a great show talking about the the emergence in this sort of leaping into the future of electric cars we've had a ton of motorsports folks on there
1: we sort of travel the world Frank without leaving our seats don't we, we
0: we can't forget to mention one more person and I really enjoyed this interview because she had such well most of our guests have so much heart and soul about what they're doing and that was our gal out of out of Palestine okay Nor Daoud. yes She's a female Palestinian drift racer. I think that was show 152-ish. But Nora Doud, she was an amazing interview, just kind of breaking up that whole Middle East uh, sort of persona against women driving. And she's out there racing, uh, out there just doing incredible things. So we're honored to have uh, Mr. Will Buxton, uh, author of the book. I invite you guys to get on Amazon, My Greatest Defeat, Stories of Hardship and Hope from Motor Racing's finest heroes welcome back will hello Uh, will is calling us from Italy we uh, once in a while we have folks from all over the world and you are just out there uh, living it up just cannot believe all the races that you get to attend what is one of your preparations that you're kind of get your mindset in I know you do a lot of these races and to keep it lively and keep it individual how are you prepping uh, to report and broadcast from some of these races?
3: You know what? I think the trick with a lot of it is is not to overthink it. I try not to script what I do. I try not to... Uh, you know, I, there's so much content out there these days. There's so much that you can access, particularly in the digital realm, Yeah, that I think it's really important to just try and be yourself. And so you know, obviously I, you know, I I research the event and, you know, make sure I'm I'm on top of all the statistics and, you know, what are the news stories and all that, but mostly it's just talking to people and finding out what the real stories are and finding out what's really going on and then just being me because I can't, I can't not do that. I can't try and be someone I'm not, I'm not going to try and fake it and, and, and be too polished. Um, I just, this is great advice. Uh,
0: great advice. We have a lot of youngsters that listen to the show. Uh, in fact, a part of the uh, East Valley Institute of Technology. There's a uh, well. It's uh, I'll tell you, it's world-renowned. Uh, Skills USA. They rank, and this is the radio program. And we've got a lot of youngsters. And it's so easy, Will, to get caught up in sort of the the details when we're not in the moment and, and we're not just being who we are. And and people can sense that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely,
3: and it's, you know, if you try and be somebody else, you try and, you know, imitate somebody else, then you're not being yourself, so you don't then have your own unique voice, and, you know, you're you, there's only one of you, so it's better to just fully embrace that and be that person. You know, for good or or, or or for bad, and you know that's, and there's you know there's a lot of negativity out there, particularly again in this social media world. If I had a, a nickel for everybody or every message I've ever got about how crap I am at what I do, or you know you suck and all this, and it's like I feel so rich.
0: People well, I'll tell you what. We are with you, brother. I've, I've got uh, we I've been on Twitter since, I don't know, 11 years now, whatever, <laughs> since uh, they first came out with the thing. And yeah, you can't go by that. You really just got to if it's your passion and it's your goal and it's your moment in time. This is what you want to do. You're going to keep moving forward. And you you do an amazing job. Speaking of which, in this book, let's get to some of these interviews. You've actually interviewed quite a few drivers, uh, of course, getting to know them over the years. Was there any particular driver that you did not know or had the account... Until the book, to do an interview, were all the drivers. Uh, did you know these
3: guys over the years? Oh, loads. There were loads I didn't know. So, um, actually, quite a few of the American guys. So, um, I've met Jeff Gordon a few times, but I, I couldn't say I really knew him. I'd never met Jimmy Johnson. Pardon me. Uh, I'd never met Rick Mears or Bobby Unser. So they were they were amazing interviews to do because um, we were getting to know each other while we were doing these interviews, and so the fact they opened up so much. And was so honest was um, it was very uh, sort of heartwarming for me and and it really meant a lot and I think it kind of reflected to me that actually the project of the book and where it was going had legs because they were willing to get into the project and and be so open for it and that 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 was a really good thing for me.
0: Yeah, Jeff Gordon, uh, such an amazing talent. Um, tell us about that interview. Jeff had uh, experienced some situations. Uh, I understand, that uh, wasn't promoting, if you will, all of his wonderful wins and his triumphs. Tell us about Jeff Gordon. Reveal some of the insights there with some of the things that was going yeah, on as well. It's,
3: you know what? It's, it's really funny. I, when I started the book, I thought that the stories were all going to be about racing. Like, everything like that. It was all going to be like, you know, leading a race, engine blows. Oh, my God, here's a disaster. and. The first interview I did was with Nicky Lauda, and Nicky spoke about his one of his planes crashing in Thailand, and he lost everybody on board. And he, for the next eight months, fought to clear the name of his pilots. Wow. And at that point, I was like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't going to be a racing book. It's going to be about racing drivers, but it's got to be what they themselves found the hardest moment of their life. And so because of that, every story is totally, some of them are about racing, sure but a lot of them have nothing to do with racing. They're about the things that affect us all as people. So it's, you know, death of loved ones or um, depression, uh, dependency uh, and addiction, um, you know, all the uplifting things.
0: Yeah, You you, you talk about (laughs) Nicky Lauder, just to to reset for the folks listening, uh, Nicky Lauder had discussed with you the loss of one of his aircraft over Thailand, uh, which all were killed and, and so what you're saying, beyond racing, he really spent a lot of time defending what was the pilot. Is that correct? Oh, goodness, yeah, because
3: when, when he went into the crash site, he noticed that the reverse thruster was engaged on one of the engines that had come down. And the Boeing representative just said to him, look, this is what happens, you know, sometimes things come out of the sky and it's just, you know, like things, things happen. And Nikki was convinced. He's like, no, 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 it's not right, that's not right, that's not right. And he thought, and he Boeing on this until Boeing realized that something had gone wrong with the plane and then had to accept that their responsibility had to accept it was something that had gone wrong with their plane. Yeah. And because of that, you, you they've now got a safety catch on the, the, the thrust reversal, which means it will never be deployed in flight again, cannot be, uh, on any plane in the world, whether it's Boeing or not. This is now industry... Standard. Yeah. And that's because of Nikki. That's because he fought, because he knew something wasn't wasn't right. So, yeah, um, yeah his story was amazing. And um, obviously, sadly, we you know we lost Nikki earlier this year. Um, yeah. In fact, the book I, I picked up, my I, I was sent the first copy of the book, uh, and it arrived as I got news that that we'd lost Nikki. So it was, it, that was quite. That was a that was a moment. That was a real moment. Yeah, no doubt. We um, spoke, spoke, spoke about Jeff and Jeff's story. And Jeff's story resonated with me massively because um, Jeff talked about how he looked back on his career, but he can't view any of his championship success with any joy because at the time, he was going through such a difficult relationship with his then wife. Um, he had essentially become estranged from all of his friends, and his parents, and all of his family, and he was just complete, he didn't realize it at the time, but he was completely miserable. Um,
0: What amazes me, Will, is that with all of this that's going on in life in the background, how well... As you say, our heroes can get on the track, and they're so chiseled, focused. We don't know, as fans, we don't see that. You know, we may right. hear things, but yeah. that is pretty incredible. Uh, Alex Zanardi, you had a very, very revealing conversation with Alex Zanardi. Of course, uh, currently he's a—is he still doing the Paralympics?
3: Yeah, yeah, he is, and he's That's working incredible. On, his, on his bike all the time, getting that bike going faster and more dynamic. Um, if yeah, he can't
2: be in a car,
0: it. he's on a bike. <laughs> exactly. That is the fighting spirit. And I love that. So here's a, yeah. w- a talented race car driver who took a tragedy of losing his legs in a race who said, you know what? I'm not done. Yep. I am not done. As a Paralympic gold medalist, that had to be an interesting interview with Alex.
3: I mean it's Alex. You, you know, when you're in the presence of Alex Zanardi, it's never dull. It is always <laughs> joy. He is just one of the most uh inspirational and joyous human beings to be around because he you know, he came so close to the end that, you know, every day for him is a is a blessing and a joy and he's just he's one of life's you know, if you could bottle Alex Zanardi and sell it, you'd be you'd be a billionaire because it's infectious, and and we had a lovely conversation, and it was quite kind of philosophical because Alex now is very similar to how Alex was 20 years ago, but he, you know, he looks back on his life, and 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 his reflection is, if I knew then what I knew now, I'd be able to turn the difficult moments that I had into being much more positive, much sooner. And I think overall, that's the that's the message of the book is gaining the good times out of the bad times, and that the things that we see now as an insurmountable wall, something that is impossible to get over, in time and in hindsight, it becomes maybe a hurdle that we have to climb over. And then later we look back and we realize, actually, it wasn't a wall, it wasn't a hurdle, it was just a step that took us to where we needed to go.
0: Sometimes I feel, and, and I've got to speak for our experiences, uh, Susie and I, uh, Susie with hip surgery, and of course I broke my ankle, We had I had a screw put in this thing, uh, I will give a shout out to Mr. Steve Gross, who also went through, had a partial stroke, it's when we're on the bottom, which is foolish for us, we're sitting high and mighty, and we don't realize what's in front of us until we are struggling on the bottom. And, and that's where we sort of recoup. It, it's weird. The, 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 the humility of how we have to arrive to a point, like many of these race car drivers and many of these race talents and just the racing industry in, ge- in general, sometimes it's those little things that knock us down. And when we're down on the bottom, yeah. boy, oh, boy, Will, that humbles us. And then we see things that we didn't see before and I think that's yeah, I mean, what you're speaking about. Absolutely.
3: You know what? It's, it's one of the things that Ari and the, the great rally champion, says in, in his chapter as well, which is, you know, we all know the the phrase "beauty is in the eye of the beholder," but that's true for everything in life. And what one of us sees as a hardship, somebody else might see as an opportunity. But until you see it yourself with your own eyes, until the beauty is in the eye of the beholder, until you see it as a beholder. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many people tell you, this thing's really great for you. Until you see it, you're not going to believe it, and that takes all of us a different amount of time. And 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 that's that's ultimately what it's about is you know finding the the, the good things in the hard times. But, that, but how difficult that is when you're when you're right in the middle of it, you know, and and you can't see a way out.
0: Yeah, no doubt. The book is Revealing Hardships of History's Greatest Race Car Drivers, a very uplifting, inspirational book. And we do want to give a shout out because you've got some great uh portrait artworks that are coming from and I'm gonna probably butcher this, Giuseppe Comancoli. Is this correct? Come on? that's, that's as good as, as I'm, I'm not
3: going to pick it up on that.
0: That's right. Giuseppe, uh, who's renowned for the dark brooding style that has seen him become a staple uh, in some of the DC and Marvel stables, you had Giuseppe uh, Camo join you, and uh, you've got some great artworks in the book as well.
3: Yeah, so, so rather than have photography of these events, I wanted an illustration of each driver as they are now. So old, haggard, looking back on their life, and, and that's what we've got. So you start each chapter with a beautiful drawing of, of these relatives as they are now, you know, reflecting back on, on their life.
0: Yeah. If you're joining us, we've got uh, the talented Will Buxton, author, uh, journalist, and currently the Formula One's digital presenter. Will Buxton, you can catch the book uh, on Amazon, Revealing Hardships of History's Greatest race car drivers it is a treat to read this book and actually get an account uh, to some of the behind the scenes the deep soul and spirit of a lot of these drivers uh, that we sometimes don't realize that hey they're human just like us but boy when they're on that track yes they are heroes they are heroes and in our eyes we enjoy watching that. Yeah,
1: what a colorful journey you brought us through today. Yeah,
0: Will, I want you to hang tight. We've got one small segment. I want to get out uh, some of your links and talk about some of the things that you're doing in the future. Uh, we are going to come back uh, with Will Buxton. Hang tight, Ranch Nation. Frank here with Wrench Nation. We appreciate you guys tuning in every week to the Wrench Nation Car Talk Show. But did you guys know I'm not basket weaving? I don't do roofing. I actually own Desert Car Care of Chandler. Boy, and I've got a great team down there. If you've got car repair or maintenance needs, I invite you to stop by my garage over a cup of coffee. Maybe you've got that large estimate and you're not sure where to go. Give me a call. 480-726-6400. Desert Car Care of Chandler. Why would i spend the rest of my days
1: unhappy why would i spend the rest of this year alone when i can go therapy when i can go therapy when i can go therapy Time. Welcome back, Wrench
0: Nation! Frank and Susie, always, uh, always a pleasure to hang I out with I you guys. Tuning in, uh, our KFNX listeners so on bitter. the weekend. Share the show with a friend, and of course, we always invite you. If you've got a show topic. Or, hey, you've got a local rock star no mechanic, day. automotive technician uh, that would like to come on the show. We have an open mic for that. We always today. invite you. Get on a wrenchnation.tv. We are honored to have Will Buxton. Will Buxton revealing hardships of history's greatest race car drivers, the book. An incredible book, an inspirational book behind the scenes of some of these legendary race drivers. Of course, you can get that book on Barnes & Noble's website. You can find it at Amazon. Uh whatever happened to bookstores. We need the bookstore. I like a bookstore. We just walk into the smell of books. Now everything is online, Susie.
1: Yeah, but Barnes and Noble still has freestanding, so. right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So get the book, guys. We we invite you to uh check out the book. And of course, Will, thank you for calling us from Italy. We rejoin back with you. Welcome back. Hello. Yes. Hel- Will did
1: you have any pasta? <laughs> of course, um, yeah. I mean, I literally only arrived this morning. Okay. Uh,
0: All right. Well, he'll be I'm enjoying. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to have
3: some tonight. I'm yeah, gonna, <laughs> there you are. A nice bottle of red.
0: Man, you have seen uh, God 200 Formula One races and over 400 career races in general. You know, besides the incredible book, you've been working pit side, track side, living it up, and sharing that uh, with fans uh, alike across the world. How do you keep a balance, Will? I mean, you're doing quite a bit out there, and and how do you how do you zen out and keep a balance so you're refreshed?
3: It's hard, you know. You're away from home so much, um, so it's it's hard to keep the balance. Um, but I have an uh, amazing fiance who keeps me very grounded. I have uh, great friends and family who uh, who do the same. Uh, beautiful daughter who keeps me in check. So, uh, <laughs> um, well, there's FaceTime. Really really Thank goodness for
0: technology. I'm sure you're facetiming as much as you can, and all this kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know, it's 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 a it's a smaller world than it used
0: to be. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit um, with television ratings and and you know, folks on the track fighting for sponsors. First off, how much does an average team cost uh, to support for the season? Uh, Formula One. Can you give us an idea what it costs?
3: Oh crikey! I mean, if you're spending three hundred
1: to four hundred million, you're doing pretty well. Oh my! Wow! I thought you were going to say three to four hundred thousand million. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I was,
0: I was thinking maybe fifteen, sixteen million. Oh, you were.
3: You're saying no, three hundred I mean, championship, championship championship winning teams. You're looking at. Yeah, you're looking at about three hundred.
0: Ooh. Wow, that's a that's a big uh, institution there. Uh, television ratings—we're uh, all fighting for that. Digital ratings, as you said, it—it. It, it, well, I think true talent, as you are, rises, rises amongst all of what could be considered a lot of noise digitally on social media. How do you yeah. see ratings? I mean, obviously, we're transitioning digitally. I mean, we have the Ranch Nation show. We know we have a digital presence. How do you see the future of you know NASCAR and IndyCar and? And uh, circuits across Europe, where do you find folks uh, absorbing a lot of this information?
3: It's a really interesting question, and I don't think we've got all the answers yet, because I don't think we quite understand or know what people want, you know, all the time in the industry. I
0: don't think we know what we want. <laughs> That's
3: part it's, it's, of the problem. It's really new. It's like when the television first came out. You know, and people were essentially trying to turn radio shows into television shows, and television is still, you know, developing and it's still changing and it's still growing into what it needs to be. And and you know, trying to just turn television into digital content and and online content, it's the same as I think you know trying to turn radio content into TV content back in the back in the day. Yeah. It, it's such a new. Sort of area of media, and uh, you know, in the industry, we're always told, "Oh, you know, kids won't absorb anything that's more than three minutes long, and you know, young people don't want a ninety-minute." Boy, it seems that
2: way, a doesn't it? Football match or
3: yeah. whatever. You know? but, but is that is that
0: true? Is is it? You know. Well, is, I think if an audience, that, I agree that with marriage, you. If we're if compelled, yeah, if we're compelled, uh, and I will, I will, uh, I will tell you right now, your Twitter, uh, which linked to YouTube. Uh, w Buxton official, by the way, I remind you guys get on to Twitter, Instagram and so on for Mr. Will Buxton. That presentation was compelling. And I don't my daughter watching that, who is not Susie. She's not too keen on motorsports. She you know dad's in the business or whatnot. But that would have gravitated somebody's attention. And I think at the end of the day, sure, we're going to possibly struggle. I think the struggles always where do we meet them? Where are they at? But I think at the end of the day, if you have a compelling message, you're true to who you are, and you, of course, you do your homework. You have to account for what you're reporting on. I don't, I don't think I think any venue that you're, whether YouTube, Instagram, stories, Will, you'll agree. As long as it's compelling and you're being yourself and you're reporting what's happening, uh, I think that a lot of this could be hoopla. With what but they're that saying, has to
3: be. You have to channel that in the right direction. So, if you're on your Instagram account or whatever, and you're doing 15 second pieces or you know one minute long pieces. That's cool. But when we're looking at the future of sport, whether it's NASCAR or Formula One, whether it's football, whether it's you know I don't know cricket, you know, do we want to change the essence of what game is to suit the new social media mould, or do we mould the way that we present? I don't know, a highlights package perhaps for social media. The whole notion that people don't have the attention span today that they did 15 years ago. So we need to cut a football game down from being four quarters to two halves that are 20 minutes each because people's attention span. You know, I don't think I agree with that. I don't either. I, don't I think, think long format
0: difference. you cannot condense. Uh, I don't no, believe exactly. that. I mean, I think I think, I uh, think long I think format the, should the, be yeah.
3: the discussion that's being had and it's you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, there, there is no answer. There's no stone cold answer at the moment because like, people are still figuring out what they want from linear broadcasting to being able to pick and choose through Netflix and Amazon and all that kind of stuff. To you know, as I say, your linear broadcasters, or traditional cable networks. To then digital and social media. And there's there's such a, a huge number of outlets and a huge number of ways of presenting content. Yeah. That it's just it's it's a, it's a, a minefield.
0: Yeah, no doubt. We are going to wrap up uh, the show, but I do want to I do want to quote the great Ernest Hemingway. He stated there are only 3 sports. Bullfighting, motor racing, and mountaineering. <laughs> All the rest are merely games. Do you believe motorsports ranks up with there? How do you feel about that, Mister Will Buxton? Oh, <laughs> bullfighting yeah, and mountaineering
3: yeah. is up there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a good quote. I think that I think I think bullfighting and and motorsport in the modern age are probably as controversial as each other. Um, <laughs> but <it's>, you, know, <laughs> um, the, you know, for me, motor racing. And motor racing drivers are the gladiators of our age; they put their life on the line to create spectacle and entertainment and they are they do what we can't they do what we'd love to be able to do and they yeah the first time I ever went to see a motor race and and I remember the the shrieking and the noise of the car and to think that there was a person in the middle of this thing that was going that just. Blew me away. It was, and I've always said it's like um, somebody taking a tiger out for a ride, you know. And that's the reality of it: is be able to to control, to tame um, the beast, to this, tame that beast. Yeah,
0: to tame that beast, no doubt about it. Uh, Will Buxton, we are so grateful that you could join us. Uh, we'd like to. Thank I'll you tell you what: me. if you're in the states, we always tell our guests, uh, whether it's California, Arizona, East Coast, please. Let's join. We'd love to give you a tour of our garage, Desert Car here, Chandler. So if you're ever in the states, put us in your rolodex. We have an invite for you. And Susie would we'll take uh, Mr. Will Buxton out. We won't be. It won't be tea. It won't be tea.
1: <laughs> we'll probably
0: have a drink and uh, maybe some Thai food.
1: There you go. A
0: little Thai food action, Mr. <laughs> will Buxton. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Susie.
3: That sounds amazing. I will take you <laughs> up on that. I promise.
0: Please follow Mr. Will Buxton, W. Buxton official, uh, very active on Twitter and, of course, Instagram, uh, and check out the book. I think you guys will really admire and appreciate the read and, in fact, can pass this on to other family members. Uh, You don't have to be a gearhead to really enjoy the book, revealing hardships of history's greatest race car drivers. Mr. Will Buxton, thank you so much for joining Ranch Nation.
3: Thank you, guys.
0: It's been a joy. Thank you. Susie, good show. Thank you. Great show. As I tell you every week, people, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic.